Park. It's an 87th Precinct podcast bonus episode. This is the bonus episode for book 47, Romance, which is a twisty, turny, self-referential mad thing about the theatre and the very nature of creativity and stabbing people, uh, or something like that anyway. We'll do our usual roundup then of book covers in a second and also dig into some stuff from 1995 as we've been doing over these past few months. But I do want to mention two things which I completely forgot to do in the main podcast and it makes sense to mention them here though because it's just a little bit about the publishers. One is that the book Romance in America is in Warner Books. It's the second of three books published by Warner Books. The first one being the Christmas edition, the special edition of the Christmas story in the nice blue slip sleeve. And it is put out in paperback in Warner Books as well. In the UK, it is in Hodder and Stoughton and the paperback is in Coronet. And they come out in, uh, the hardbacks come out in 95, paperbacks in 96. And I know for a fact, rather than use a copyright date for everything we'll discuss today, it came. It was published on the 14th of April, 1995. That was actual publication date, so I know that one, rather than just the copyright date. And I didn't mention the dedication, but if you can't work out the dedication in this book, when it is dedicated to one of his sons, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not a, a hard research challenge. This is for my son and daughter-in-law, Mark Hunter and Lisa Bloch-Marange Hunter, or Bloch-Marange, I think she might be French because I think his son, Mark, lives in France and has done for quite a long while. So, yeah, you can figure that dedication out. I'm sorry I missed it from the main episode. Please do forgive me. (laughs) Uh, Right. But in the meantime, chaps, if you could turn your attention to the pictures that I've sent you, and Uh I'm going to set Morgan the very hard challenge of describing the edition that is both the UK and US hardback cover. It is is a a challenge, but... uh... Yeah, so we've got Ed McBain and Romance in sort of big, shiny silver letters, a novel of the 87th Precinct. And we've got a, a blue sky background and then some kind of a stylized sort of cityscape in silhouette. Yeah. And that's that's the size of it, really. Yeah. That's, well, I find it's pretty uninspiring. It is, I mean, it, 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 I think it's quite pleasant, but... What about that one, red, that one window? red window? Yeah, I was just mm. noticing that. Oh, that's it. Yeah, maybe they should have drawn a little man being thrown out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's got it's got the embossed shiny silver text, which makes it quite uh, you know stand out a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? It's yeah, it's quite decorative but unspectacular. Yeah, I think unspectacular is the right word. Okay, well in that case, I'll describe the American paperback edition because it's exactly the same thing. <laughs> just stretched because of the different shape of the book. A different red window as well. Yeah, they are. I was just looking at oh, that. Blimey, They've colored right. a different red window in. Good That's spot, weird, good isn't spot. it? Why on earth would you do that? I don't know. Oh, gosh, I would have just taken that as granted that that was exactly the same, but no, you're right. Peculiar, and of course, it? yeah, being the paperback, it does have a couple of quotes are on, on it. In this case, it's the Washington Post quote saying, simply the best police procedurals being written in the United States. And it's New York Times best-selling author. Otherwise, it is exactly the same, just like I say, stretched and different red window, as we discovered. So perhaps there's more to this than meets the eye. <laughs> Changing from that, I'll get Stevie to describe the UK edition, which I suspect is the one that we all have. Uh, yeah, that's, that's who the knows. one. Yeah, so this is, 
don't know what the background is there. What on earth is the background? Like some crumpled gold paper. <laughs> what's, yeah. what's that supposed to be? I don't know. No, no crumpled, idea. Crumpled gold surface with what looks like a, uh, a rose stem and then instead of the rose petals, a splat of blood. Uh, and it says romance in purple writing. It's a bit odd, really. <laughs> yeah, I quite like it as a piece of graphic design and I understand the idea of like roses for romance. Yeah. Um, and I like the, the design of the blood splat instead of a red rose petals. But uh, yeah, flowers at no point feature in this book. So no, yeah. So that's that's that one. Yeah, I would have thought maybe if, if it had been like rather than weird scrumpled gold paper as a backdrop, it would have been like perhaps a, a script, mm-hmm. or a manuscript or something. Yes, mm. that would have made sense. Or maybe that would have just been too busy. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I mean they're all right, aren't they? We've had worse. We've had better. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Well, then I will give Morgan the second challenge of describing the Italian edition, which is a different affair. Yeah, so the, the main focus of it, I guess, is this this, this um, artfully lit um, full-face shot of a, a lady with, a, a, with downcast eyes and a single teardrop coursing down her cheek. Yeah. Ed McBain romance. Uh, a sipario alzato le cose... Cambiarane. Cambiarano, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah. No, I don't know what it means. Un caso del 87 distretto. <laughs> yeah. That's great. 5,900 lira. Crikey. Yeah, it's um, it's a very it's a modern version of these Jello ones that we've been looking mm. at, which you know Jello, which means yellow, and they, it looks like they've sort of put a new design on an old template as if to look That's like right, this. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's got the, the the little corner of the the, the traditional uh, yellow kind of cover just peeking out around the edge, hasn't it? Yeah, I think I preferred those ones when they were literally just painting a scene from chapter two. Yeah, I love those kind of pulpy uh, paintings. They're great. Yeah. That's got even less to do with the, <laughs> the story. But I'll give Steve the challenge of describing the Japanese one I've got. Yeah, it's very abstract. Yeah. There's lots of colours. I'm trying to. Does that say 87? It does. Yeah, so it's like just a blocks of colour, really. And then 87 seems to be scratched in. I'm just trying to think whether I can work out any, any literal. Yeah. I don't think I can. can. No, I'm, I'm pondering. I like it. I like the last time we looked mm. at a Japanese one. I like it very much as an abstract piece. Yeah, I wonder if it is supposed to be anything. Yeah, well, I it don't, I don't. doesn't seem like it's intended to, to be in any way kind of representative of, of any physical kind of things, does it? It's, no, I don't think so. It's nice. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I shall share those as usual on our Instagram and, and link to it on the Twitter. But those, it's nice to see these Japanese yeah. ones, and I should really go back and look at uh, ones we've done previously and see if I can find them. I definitely haven't been able to find all of them, and that doesn't necessarily, I mean, all of them may not have been published in Japan, but um, they probably were because he was very popular over there. Yeah. And you like consider it. consider that the TV series was running at the time that this was coming out as well. So... Yeah, I'll post those as, as usual in the usual places. And now we can get on to a load of rubbish about 1995. Mm. And we will start, as usual, with what was going on in the charts on the week of the 14th of April 1995. 
Ah, right. Oh, hmm, yes. Well, <laughs> let's do the American top 10. I'll go from 10 till 1. You can fill me in if you know any of these. At number 10, Creep by TLC. Yep. Yeah. Classic. This is, yeah, it's great. And this, But this is the year that TLC, I believe, filed for bankruptcy. Really? Yeah. You know, Goodness. which I presume is something to do with problems with a manager, which I'm pretty yeah. sure they did have, didn't they? Seems seems totally plausible, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, huge, huge group at the time. Very good TLC. I do like TLC. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, Creep by TLC. Number nine is I Know by Dion Farris. Ooh, doesn't ring a bell. Nope. Number eight is um, Big Popper, Warning, by the Notorious B.I.G. Don't recall that one either. No. Number seven, Strong Enough, by Sheryl Crow. I feel like that's one I've probably heard, but doesn't ring a bell off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, Number six, Freak Like Me, by Adina Howard. Ah, I I do know it. I mainly know that from the Sugar Babes record where they sang that over the backing of uh, Our Friends Electric, if you remember that one. Oh, yes, vaguely. So vaguely. It's, it's that song, but without the Gary Newman bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, number five is Run Away by Real McCoy. I don't know that. No. Number four is Take a Bow by Madonna. Oh, yes. Or if you want to read it wrong, Take a Bow by Madonna. Maybe she's offering you a selection of bows from her bow shop. Yeah, possibly. That's the, is that the one with the, the video with the matador in, I think. I don't know. I, I think so. Know. Bit of a soppy ballad. <laughs> Number three is Candy Rain by Soul For Real. <sighs> no. Number two is TLC again with Red Light Special. Oh, yeah. And Number one is This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan. Oh, yeah. So definitely a sort of the, the new Jack Swing era in full effect. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let's see if it's the same over in the UK, where we would have been studying the charts night and day, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Or doing what I was doing, which is probably just playing loads of Beatles albums and two <laughs> Blur albums over and over and over <laughs> again. Uh, right. I'm going to work down from one in this, to this time. So number Ooh. one is Take That with Back for Good. Oh, God. The all-dominating take that. Yeah. Number two is the Out Here Brothers with Don't Stop, brackets, Wiggle, Wiggle. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Deary me. Uh, Bobby Brown's at number three with Two Can Play That Game. Yeah. Which always disappoints me that it isn't Two Can Play That Game <laughs> and he's attempting to do Scrabble with a... Exotic bird. Just instructing it to, to join in. Yeah. Yeah. Number four is You Sure Do by Strike. Uh, yeah, I remember that one. You Sure Make Me Feel Like Loving You. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get it. Uh, number five, Corona, Baby Baby. I don't particularly remember that one. Oh, it's, it's funny, I, I was expecting this to entirely be Britpop, and it turns out it was just lots of terrible Eurodance, wasn't it, mainly? <laughs> well, you know, hold tight, because we've got a few more to go yet. Number six, we've got Not Over Yet by Grace. It's not over, not over, not over, not over yet. Yep. Yep, okay, thank you. Yep, more it's very Eurodance. helpful you doing this for me. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do know this one. Number seven, it is Julia Says by Wet Wet Wet. Oh, crikey. I'd forgotten about that one. From the still... hit album Picture This. It's, uh, yeah, that's 
them trying to go a little bit Beatlesy, maybe. Yes, very much so. Yes. Enough to, enough to make me want <laughs> buy the album. In fact, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's a good pop single, but um, you know, it's wet, wet, wet. So mm. <laughs> uh, number eight is "If You Love Me" by Brownstone. Ooh, no, don't remember that. Uh, at number nine, a new entry. It's "Strange Currencies" by REM. Oh yeah, cool. That's that's good. A bit of a uh, monster album. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do like that album. At number 10, it is The Bomb, These Sounds Fall Into My by Bucketheads. Oh, yeah. These sounds fall into my mind. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got just, I will mention at number 11, of course, it's everyone's favourite supergroup of Cher, Chrissy Hind, and Nana Cherry, I think, with Eric Clapton and Love Can Build a Bridge. Yeah. Crazy. The comic relief single, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's no The Stonk by Hill and Pace, is it, as these things go? No, <laughs> what is? So anyway, that's what the charts look like there. It's, um, yeah, we'll get to our picks for them in a, in a little bit. Okay. Right, Steve-O, what did you go and see in the cinema in 1995? I don't think I did. Reading <laughs> that list of stuff before. No, I don't think I did. I can't, I can't, I can't remember seeing anything in the cinema that was released no. this year. I don't know whether I saw any of this actually in the cinema, but the top ten here, go on then, name some of them. Can you guess or remember? Uh, Goldeneye. Yes. Which I watched not long ago. It's, you know, it was good to have Bond back, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's all right, isn't it, Goldeneye? It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I I, I half thought of it because it's not that it's a great film, but it's kind of a bit silly, really, isn't it? <laughs> it was the first kind of Bond released in our lifetimes that we were kind of at an age that one could watch it, I suppose. Yes, that's true. Uh, anything else we remember from 95, either of you? Um, would Clueless be a, a top 10 film? or uh, It came out in 95, but it would not be a top 10 film. There was a Batman film. Now, I'm not very yeah. good at those, so I couldn't tell you which it was. Uh, but... Batman Forever. I did that's see it. that one in the cinema. Yeah, I think I possibly saw that one in the cinema as well. Uh, yeah, so, well, we've got Die Hard with a Vengeance as the oh, number one top grossing I saw film. that as well, actually, at the time. Toy Story. Oh, yeah, I definitely saw that in the cinema. Uh, Apollo 13. See, I only saw that for the first time, like, a couple of years ago. Something I've ever seen it. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a real thing that happened, so you don't have to see a film to know <laughs> what happens in that. It's, it's all right. Goldeneye, uh, Pocahontas. I think I saw that in the cinema as well. <laughs> uh, I like that one. It had a very novel uh, little raccoon character in it. Oh, well, there we go. Yeah. Batman Forever 7. Oh, I definitely oh, yeah, saw that. In the, I saw that in the cinema. Would I have been old enough to? No, probably not. No. Um, Outrageous. But it's, which is the scarier film? Is it Seven or is it Casper? <laughs> or is it Waterworld? Oh, Waterworld. Scary how much money they spent on it. Yeah, I've never seen that. It, it's it's quite an expenditure of time as well, isn't it? I think if you want I to. I saw about 10 minutes of it once and it just seemed the biggest load of shite you've ever seen, really. <laughs> I've seen the parody of it in an episode of Bob's Burgers, so I think that's. I, that, I feel like probably I've seen do. it. Yeah. Uh, and number 10 highest grossing film was Jumanji. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, what else have we got? You mentioned Clueless. I'm not going to run through everything else that came out. I obviously couldn't run through everything else, but things like Tank Girl comes out. Oh, yeah. Ice-T is some kind of weird kangaroo-type creature. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hackers. Oh, yeah. Which I know is uh, Lorraine, one of Lorraine's favourite films. It's so dated, though. You know, the subject <laughs> of like talking about 1% of the population in the UK having the internet. But you've got films like Hackers coming out because it's still so weird and extreme and remote a concept. I'll tell you what, there was very few of, I noticed, looking down the um, list, was like horror films. So I think that kind of, you know, the 80s, well, I suppose it was yeah. 70s, 80s, maybe run out of steam by the mid-90s a bit. Yeah, it was probably only with things like Scream, Scream and stuff that, yeah. that there was a bit of a revival in the genre, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're definitely still being made, but there was no high-profile mm. ones, really, at this point. No. You, were, you were either so far down the sequel line that nobody cared, or no one had come up with anything original. Yeah. The Judge Dredd movie comes out. Oh, God, the, the, the bad Judge Dredd movie, yeah, that's true. We've spent a lot of time over the years being cross with that film. <laughs> <laughs> haven't we yes so, with good reason yeah at least the the bad taste in the mouth that it leaves is somewhat washed away when they made dread yes. 3d which was good indeed anyway again <laughs> we'll come we'll come to our movie picks when we when we've looked at the rest of this stuff here so we'll have a quick look at tv i've only got a few listed here before we do our our picks today so uh I <laughs> I do wonder if anyone actually ever listens through to these things and has a clue what we're talking about <laughs> if they don't actually come from the UK. Because what I'm going to say to you, Steve-O, I want your reaction first and foremost is that on UK TV, we have the debut of Oh, Dr. Beeching. Right, yeah, yeah. I think I've ever seen a, a nanosecond of that. But wasn't that like a lower low, like it was high Heidi High, all that lot? It was yeah. It was basically pretty much the entire cast of that, wasn't it? Yeah. But doing a, a sitcom about the the decline of the British railways. Yeah, with Paul, <laughs> was Paul McShane in one of the the lead roles, probably. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't think I watched a single second of it either, and I would watched a lot of Heidi High. Hmm. Um, so in the same way that Splatter Horror had died in 1995, so had. Um, those types of yeah sort of knockabout uh, old school sitcom yeah. weird setup things we're in this sort of little period before things like The Office come along aren't we really absolutely uh, but uh, Kavanaugh QC I've never seen that have you ever seen that Steve no that's got uh, what's his face in hasn't it um, John Thor John Thor yeah I might have seen it a bit and just thought this is really boring yeah we love John Thor as Morse, not so keen on him as a judge. Yeah. Or whatever a Queen's counsel is, you know, mm-hmm. a solicitor, lawyer, whatever you call them. Barrister. See, I know all the technical terms. <laughs> I know them all. Uh, we have the comedy The Thin Blue Line, however, that comes out. Oh, blimey. If anyone wants police procedural comedy, but it's not got any police procedure in, it's just got... Or comedy. People. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rowan Atkinson, best known around the world as Mr. Bean playing a slightly uptight policeman while some other strange people are policemen around him, policemen yeah. and women around him. Yeah, I can't say. I, I, might, I might have seen a bit of it. I don't know. 
I feel like I probably watched the first episode with a fair amount of anticipation because it was like, oh, Ron Atkinson and Ben Elton together again. It's going to yeah. be just like Blackadder. It wasn't just like Blackadder. No, it's funny, no, it isn't it? Our, our uh, Ben Elton's career just literally fell off a cliff, didn't it? In terms yeah. of good output, a load of rubbish thereafter. Yeah, it changed quite a lot. For anyone who doesn't know Ben Elton, he wrote, he's a very, very good sitcom writer. He was a sort of alternative stand-up comedian, very, very left-wing, and sort of to the point where it was very easy to parody him, wasn't it? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Um, but yeah, a good writer of, of one of the writers of Blackadder, which was very, very, very good. And then it's diminishing returns, really, from here on in. Uh, but we also have Fist of Fun appears in 1995. Hey which is uh, the comedians Stuart Lee and Richard Herring doing a very, very silly, puerile student <laughs> sort of thing, but very, very funny. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And the last one I'm going to mention is the Beatles Anthology comes out in 1995. Tremendous. Which, obviously, I watched, taped off TV, watched again, watched again, watched again, and carried on watching. <laughs> but what have we got in America? I hear some Americans screaming at me. Well, we've got things like the um, the Outer Limits comes back. That's revived. So I remember watching that when it came over here. Oh, yeah. The new Outer Limits. We have Star Trek Voyager, which is better than Star Trek Deep Space Nine, in my opinion. Come at me, bro. <laughs> Helmed by Kate Mulgrew, who, of course, played Mrs. Columbo in the TV series Mrs. Columbo. <laughs> oh, I watched a great Columbo last night, actually. Oh, which one? It was the one with uh, John Castavetti's in, where he plays the uh, conductor. Ooh. Yeah, the conductor yeah, with very it's high all about trousers. The flower. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he doesn't have the high trousers. It's Billy Connolly, and his one has the high trousers. Yeah, so this is all about the flower underneath the piano. Anyway, I yeah. cause us to get distracted. No, I saw a bit of a Columbo earlier in the afternoon yesterday, which was the one that had. Um, both Patrick McNee and Robert Vaughan in, and it's set on the cruise ship. Ah, right. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, Mrs. Columbo's ill, isn't she? Yes. And <laughs> uh, what else have I got written down here? Um, the cartoon of Earthworm Jim, a computer game that became a cartoon and had a good theme tune. And a very good sketch show called Mr. Show with Bob and David. Oh, cool. Which I never saw at the time. But uh, have seen since uh, it more or less stands up. There's a there's a bit of like, oh, you would not do that now, and why didn't you just cast someone who was Chinese to play that role? About it. Um, <laughs> but we obviously know Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. You know, very very good. Especially Bob Odenkirk's career these days is mm-hmm. is huge. And I've written one more thing down, which I have no idea about. I don't know anything about it, but I just thought it was funny that there's a cartoon just called Skeleton Warriors. <laughs> so make it up in your head. <laughs> yeah, it writes itself really, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know if it's funny or scary or whatever. If you watch Skeleton Warriors, do write in and tell us. Okay. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> Seek help. Okay, let's get to our picks then. I'm going to come up to Steve-O first. What have you got for us this uh, 1995? Well, for, 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 for me, yeah, I'm not very good at picking movies from the mid-90s, which seems a bit mad given how old I was then, but a clear sign that I, A, didn't go to the cinema and B, had no means of really watching them in my house, really. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you could manage to get something recorded, you see, it was just all a bit complicated, really, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I wasn't really sure what to go with really. So 
I'm going for a film that I've probably not watched in about 15 years, but I remember liking very much, and that's uh, Mall Rats. Oh, yes, um, yeah. Cool. So Kevin Smith, yeah, but um, that's very 1995. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it is, it is, it is not a million miles away from uh, Dazed and Confused in another entirely plotless, real time couple of a day in America kind of <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah. A, a, a film that I did actually like and I watched again. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, um, which is uh, Things to Do in Denver when you're dead. I've never seen that actually. I've I've heard good things though. No, neither have I. Yeah, it's quite interesting, and I just clicked on it before just to have a bit of a nosy about it. And apparently, it was a, a massive box office bomb that ah. virtually made no money despite having a fairly hefty budget. Engaging, nonetheless, I thought. Yeah. So, um, and do, do you want my musical ones yeah, as more, well? Mall rats is a good pick. Yeah, go for your music. Well, music as well. I thought 1995 uh, looked like a bit an absolute excellent year to me in that mm-hmm. lots of old bands releasing well past their prime albums. But then <laughs> got bands like Fu Manchu and, and Monster Magnet starting to churn <laughs> stuff out so you can kind of tell what's happening. Um, but two albums that I very much uh, like, and I couldn't really decide between them, so I'm going to suggest them both. Uh, one of which is Mirrorball by Neil Young, which I've always oh, uh, had a great love of. And... Um, being quite a fan of Pearl Jam of that era as well, kind of gets that 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 in as well. Uh, but the other one it would be uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by uh, the Smashing Pumpkins, which is a bit of a pompous, overblown <laughs> prog rock. It's grun- it must be Grunge's prog album, that, I suppose, isn't it? It's all a bit OTT, but... Um, brilliant as a result of it i think always yeah. very much like that yeah, there's a bit of high concept creeping in in those things isn't there yeah and it, it so it, it kind of works they just about pull it off i think in, in the mm-hmm. whole but uh, well i think it's actually brilliant but um yeah they get away with it just about i think <laughs> fabulous okay well then i'll come to morgan for his choices well, film-wise, uh, there were a few things I was considering, um, but I think I'm going to go for uh, The Quick and the Dead, um, uh, Sam Raimi's um, Western. Yes, I've never seen it. No, neither have I. It's one of these things that used to crop up on telly quite a lot. I think it was, again, like a, a bit of a bomb at the time and not particularly well-received at all, but I've always really enjoyed it. Um, um very much a kind of throwback to the sort of Sergio Leone kind of spaghetti westerns, but but with a bit of a kind of Sam Raimi kind of touch. There's all the sort of Evil Dead style kind of mm. over the top visual and and sort of uh, soundtrack things going on. Sharon mm. Stone as 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 a, a nameless gunslinger who oh. uh, enters this quick-draw competition to get vengeance. Um, it's, it's, it's great fun. Totally ridiculous. Is Bruce Campbell in it? Uh, he's definitely in there somewhere. I, I, I don't think Sam Raimi lets a film go by without him cropping up somewhere, does he? <laughs> no, no, not I'm, I'm just seeing Gene Hackman as well, who I don't think's ever been in anything rubbish. Yeah, Gene Hackman's always always good value for money. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, turns in uh, a... a a good little uh, performance as well. It's 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 really good fun. I don't know why it was kind of not 
not well received at the time. I I, I really enjoy it. Hmm. Oh, well, I'll keep an eye out for yeah. that. That sounds w- like a good recommendation. Worth a go. Uh, and music-wise, um, I did consider going for Mirrorball as well, so I'm glad I didn't because I, I did wonder if Steve was going to go for it. Um, what I opted for, I know you picked the same bands not long since, uh, Paul, but right. I am going for Red Medicine by Fugazi. Ah, oh, yes. I... Just because it, it was the the first of their records that, that I got. Um, I just I read about them in The Enemy and thought it sounded really exciting. Didn't know who they were at all at the time. And when I uh, bought it from Pink Panther Records in Carlisle, when Carlisle still had a, a new record shop. Um, and it's amazing. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that kind of opened the door then to all the kind of things on Discord records that had gone before, all that kind of classic Washington, D.C. kind of hardcore and post-hardcore. So uh, it was a very exciting time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great album. Oh, good old Fugazi. Brilliant. Excellent stuff. Right, well, I've got to choose my choices. And I say that because I haven't firmly decided which ones to pick yet. <laughs> so I'm looking at my list. I mean, you mentioned Clueless before as a film, which is absolutely brilliant. It I is. do love Clueless, and I can go back to that time and time again. But what I'll probably choose is 12 Monkeys. I thought you might. <laughs> yeah, comes out in 1995, Terry Gilliam film. Absolutely terrifying, very strange. Some amazing performances from people that you would otherwise perhaps not expect to get those sorts of performances from. It's got a lot of the Gilliam touches that I like. It's it's brilliant, 12 Monkeys, and I've not watched it for years, and I must make an effort to... Uh, do, you know, do you know what? I don't even think I've got it on DVD. I think I've only got it on VHS. <laughs> so I might, have to, I might have to buy the DVD of it, or see if it's come out on Blu-ray or something. Yeah, 12 Monkeys for me. That's the one. I'm settling Fantastic. on that. Excellent. And as for a as for a record, well, there is quite a few good things this year. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, things I've got written down, Different Class by Pulp. I really liked yeah. that at the time. The first Slater Kinney album. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is it's good, but it's not my favourite Slater Kinney, so. Yeah, I was, I was saving uh, the Kinney for a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Grand Prix by Teenage Fan Club. Oh, yeah. That's a corker. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've got to be true to myself here. So I'm reflecting 1995, Paul, here, in that Blur's The Great Escape was a big, significant album for me because Mm -hmm. it was my way into Blur. I sort of started there and worked backwards. You see what I mean? So whilst a lot of people are down on The Great Escape because it has got, you know, a bit of jaunty knees-up madness about it with Country House and stuff, (laughs) I think it's a really good record. It's got some great stuff on, definitely. Yeah, some great guitar playing in there mm. as well. You have to perhaps listen out for it. It's off, it, it, it disguises a lot of weirdness in there, I think. <laughs> so even like the chords to something like Stereotype, which are quite simple to get hold of once you've figured them out, but still really good, gnarly chords yeah. coming out of that tradition of, of a lot of that American rock sound mm. that uh, Graham Coxon likes. So I've got to settle on The Great Escape by Blur. That's cool. my one for 1995. If that's all right with you, everybody. It's a good one. That's uh, quite all, quite all right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there we are. That's uh, a little bit of 1995. So uh, when we come back, the next episode will be set. Will be set in 1997, like we're <laughs> like we're dressing in costume, which means we'll skip 96. So we'll have to do a little bit of a allow ourselves to to peep at 1996 as well as we go 
towards our choices for the next episode. Which hopefully we can do in person. Oh, wouldn't that be great? We might be able to bring it in and show each other <sighs> our, our items. Yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic. Okay, so that's that's it for our, our bonus podcast for romance. Oh, uh, hold on, we've not done oh. book huffing. Oh my God, Steve. We haven't looked at our, our uh, copies, have we? No, that's true. Oh, my brain. This is why we need to be doing it in person, you see. I just can't <laughs> I can't do the planning like this. Mine's got a nice, mine's got a nice, <laughs> nice perfume to it. And it is Perfect. the uh, it's the UK one with the rose on it. Yeah, Coronet edition. Yeah, five ninety nine. It was. Uh, mine's five ninety nine as well. Exactly the same. So, what's what's yours, Morgan? Is yours the? Uh, mine's a US hardback. Oof. What? Oh. You brought that out at the last minute. Yeah, to shock there us. we go. US hardback, twenty two dollars ninety five. What an end to this episode. Twenty seven ninety five in Canada. What an end! Oh, I can't, <laughs> can't believe. Twist ending. I know. Yeah. With its little red, so it's got the red window at the back of the street scene. Uh, yes, yes, indeed, it has. Yeah. All right, go on, give us a huff. Yeah, let's give it a go. Mine had a nice perfume to it. It was a. Mm. Mm. Mine's got got a, a a gentle mustiness. It doesn't smell kind of mildewy. It's just just a, a nice kind of pleasantly aged. It's See, nicely hard, matured. I, I wonder whether hardbacks on the whole smell differently. Maybe the paper quality of us is slightly better. Is it? I don't know. Yeah, you could be right. The binding, mm. the gl- the glue, a bit more. Well, paperbacks by their very nature are cheaper to make, aren't they? They are, yeah. So, but you know, my one's in fairly good nick. There's a little bit of a mysterious um, stain on the side, which I don't want to speculate on. <laughs> uh, let me just check its smell. Mine's been read a lot, mine. Lots of lines down the spine. Oh, yeah. Mine's, yeah, mine's a little bit creased. Not too bad. Mine smells all right. Mine's st- standard good. Standard, standard good. On the good. Old uh, I like that. <laughs> oh well thank goodness you reminded me steve and well, thank you morgan for whipping out that shock american <laughs> edition <laughs> it wasn't expected well I, th- I think the book huffing's the only concept i've ever brought to this series of podcasts <laughs> and therefore i'm um, determined it's not jettisoned before the end <laughs> no. well we'd definitely get letters we'd get letters if it wasn't anything else but, you know the book huffing has to stay right well on that bombshell as they say uh, I am going to say goodbye, a goodbye, as is Steve O. Goodbye. And Morgan. Fare thee well. <laughs> <laughs>